super excited for this episode. Most of you guys in my audience probably know this guy, Josh Satterley. And to give you guys a little context, I've said it on his podcast before, of which I've been on twice. Um, Josh is a guy who, you know, throughout the rest of my business career is someone that I'll always think of as a person who gave me a chance and put me on. And the story there is I sent him a message one day because, you know, he's a well-known guy in our, in our community. And when I was getting into the coaching business, um, I actually emailed him about, or I sent him a message on Facebook about, uh, trying to get, I think in a seminar series like Parker or something like that, how to do that. And, uh, he kind of gave me some advice and then he said, Hey, I'm teaching a seminar, uh, in Dallas in a few months. If you want to come and teach for an hour, you know, I'm happy to have you. And, uh, you know, I, I took him up on that offer and, you know, from that we got, it was like the first group of students that did our EYSL program. I got three mastermind members later down the line. And so, uh, Josh is, you know, someone, again, it's like, you need people in your life that, uh, just give you a chance. And I had that in my private practice and now in this business as well. And so I'm forever grateful for Josh, but I think, you know, more importantly for you guys, this episode was fantastic. I was smiling all the way through because Josh is a person who, you know, our paths cross very much because our audience is very similar. Like you guys that are rehab chiros, a lot of times live in the clinic gym world or come from an exercise science background. So there's a lot of crossover and carryover. And basically what he and I went through were questions that I often get from clients or potential clients that come into my world, specifically about the clinic gym hybrid. And so I often answer those in context that works for like my brain and my business. Um, but I wanted to ask Josh because I'm, if I'm getting those questions from you guys out there, then uh, I wanted it to come from Josh specifically. So there's a lot of nuance in this conversation. There's going to be a lot of takeaways. And I have a feeling I'm going to get some messages and DMs about just how valuable this podcast episode is specifically because of our audience wants and needs. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, and if you haven't checked out Josh, you know, follow his podcast. I'll link all the, you know, all of his notes and bio and, and website and all that. Great guy, great speaker, uh, very accomplished in our profession. And I'm, I'm honored to have him on. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the business school for the rehab chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. Josh, my friend, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Justin. How are you, man? Great. You are, you know, you're quite the guy because every time someone says clinic gym hybrid, the next thing they say is Josh Satterley. So you've built quite the, the brand of being the guy, which I like. Well, that's great, man. Uh, I think you were the first person I realized that grabbed the term rehab Cairo. And I think it's one of those things where people are like, yeah, that that's what I would classify myself as, you know, like, and it, there's that point of pride. So I think you did a good job there with uh, branding and niching as well. Well, that's a good segue because Rehab Cairo, Clinic Gym, it's a lot of the same people, right? And right, so, yeah. Um, you know, basically, I wanted to have you on. I've been waiting to do it because I wanted to get a good list of questions because I get a lot of people. Right. Obviously, it's the same that comes into my world that might also eventually want to do Clinic Gym or do it at the beginning, which is actually a really good place to start. So, yeah. in your expertise of seeing people, is there a time when it is a good time to start or is it like, Hey, I'm open to practice tomorrow. I should try to go all in and do clinic gym hybrid together. 
Yeah, I would say there is a time to definitely not do it, which is at a point where you have a business that is not established. Like it is going to be more work. There is no way around that. It's going to be more work, even if you hire a trainer, which I I totally encourage you to do. It's just more work. So if you're sitting there with a, a clinic that maybe is like halfway running, I would say double down on your energy there, get that thing systematized and then start your gym portion or add the fitness portion on. Um, but I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, I started my clinic gym. You know, I'm only seeing, put a number on it, eight new patients a month or, you know, 12 new patients a month. And I'm like, man, I think the time is best in, invested in getting your clinic up to speed. Now, let me say this differently. If I were to start over again, I would heavily consider starting the gym first. It's A, it's a much easier business to run like than, than the clinic. You don't need to hire healthcare professionals to run it. And I think, Justin, with your skill set, if I gave you a year to build up a clinic and hand it off to somebody so you could step away or a gym, you would have the gym up and running and handed off before. And I, when I say handed off, I mean daily operations, you know, uh, doing the things that produce revenue, that kind of stuff. You could hand that off within that first year, no problem. And if you look around your town, the people that start and flourish with gyms, um, they're hustlers, but they're not, um, oftentimes they're not highly educated people. And I think maybe that helps them not be in their own way. So I would highly consider that if I were just starting from zero, I'd consider a gym because it's also a recurring revenue business. And as you know, that's as close to magic in business as you ever get, you know? Yeah. Uh, You said a lot of really good stuff there that I definitely want to go back to specifically about the new patients and then starting the gym first, which is an interesting concept as well. And obviously the recurring revenue, but let's go back because, um, you know, I'll speak to people I, in our in our world. We have students all the way through seven figure practices, and so there's a there, and then obviously significant amounts in between. Yeah. Uh, one of the concerns that I have, and I've always said, like I think Josh would agree with me, but you're here, so let's talk mm-hmm. through it. Is the the guy or girl coming out of school that wants to open up a rehab chiropractic, and then they say, and I'm also going to do the clinic gym at the same time? Let's just dive deeper into that from from your perspective and your experience working with, with docs that are doing this, you know, I know you mentioned a certain amount of new patients, but what are some of the pitfalls that you would see if someone's like, I'm open up the practice and we're going to do a gym today? Yeah. I think we as business owners and, um, and I would say I fall into this trap too. I don't know. You strike me as you're very clear in your thinking, but, uh, I don't know if you fell into this early on. We all underestimate the amount of bandwidth the non-revenue generating activities are going to take. Meaning if you treat patients from, let's just say in your clinic, you treat patients from eight to five every day, that doesn't complete all of the work that you need to do, especially if you're the business owner. I mean, yeah, you have notes, but let's just say you somehow figure out all your notes and you're done. What about employee stuff, uh, advertising issues, marketing, uh, local relationships, referral relationships, you want to keep healthy, all those things. We underestimate the bandwidth that all those things will take. And then if you were to add a second business on to that, meaning this gym, you are going to double that parasitic load of, uh, of hours on you. Plus one of the greatest parts and one of the, the negatives of adding the gym portion, gyms are busy before clinic and after clinic. You can get a gym class at 5 a.m. Most patients won't show up at 5 a.m., right? You can get 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. clinic. And in fact, they fall off around normal business hours. 
Same thing in the afternoon. If you're treating till four or five, you can get a five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock class, which means that class doesn't finish till eight, which means you're not out of there till 8.30 or nine. Well, if you decide to take that on and you are the only person that is coaching classes and treating patients, now your day, your workday goes from 5 a.m. to eight. uh, And then you have to do all this marketing, payroll, accounting, bookkeeping, even if you have those jobs hired out, just the coordinating of those things do all that somehow in that time, it's a really good recipe to get divorced and go crazy. I mean, if you were like married, you will probably end that portion of your life divorced. Uh, So I think that's, people underestimate that. It's a ton of work, like every business is. It's not insurmountable, but it's just a lot. And if you're stacking those up and you're a rookie at business, I'd really give that some thought. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I mean, it's like one of those, you know, you're you try to be good at two or three things and they're all sort of mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um and what we we and it's interesting. I have another podcast that I have to go back and listen to because one of my clients, he was like I want to do clinic gym when he talked to me, he was just getting going and I was mm-hmm. like, "Hold on, like wait a second. And then I think like, "All right, I don't want it to look bad on Josh, but I think he'd agree with me in this situation." Yeah. Like it was just getting going like in the week or two yeah. and it was, "All right, if we try to do all of them at the same time, we're going to struggle." Yeah. I 100% agree with you on the front end. It's just like anything. You know, um, uh, we all, it's the, what is that called? Dunning-Kruger effect. Early on in our business, we underestimate how much effort it's going to take. We underestimate how much work it's going to be. And that's totally fine. And I would say, I would cost you then. But for all those listening that have an established practice and you're like consistently getting 25 or 30 new patients, those are rough estimates depending on your treatment style and everything like they don't have to be, but all I'm saying is you have a healthy inflow of good number of new patients. I am very passionate about why in the hell wouldn't you have an upsell like the gym? You were, you have all these people that know, like, and trust you. They have physically been to your location that do something with that. And even if you're like, Hey, I don't want to do the gym thing. Cool. Find some upsell to get those people close to their goal, supplements, nutrition, coaching, Health, health coaching, ergonomics, I do not care, but please do not just take that healthy, thriving business and be like, well, that's all we're going to do here. You know, yeah. it'd be like if McDonald's was like, yeah, we sell hamburgers and fries. If you want soda, go down the street to the other place. Like, yep. no, man, it's, it's free money. Yep. I love it. So you, you, I remember hearing you when we were in Dallas together and, and you said, mm-hmm. Exactly what you just said now, you know, a healthy practice that's ready to handle this is that 25 to 30 new patients and people like Kurt, who I think does more than that, Dan Leonard, you yeah. know, at yeah, least yeah. that, if not more. Um, but I remember thinking like, oh, like we need to rethink this specifically in my world. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm really curious about how you would think about it because some of the people that I've mentioned that came to me with Clinic Gym Hybrid, they're running cash-based practices. And so uh, just as an example, like our mm-hmm. clinic, if we get 12 new patients in a month at our price points, you know, mm-hmm. you can do the math, five grand for a plan of care, like we're doing pretty good, but the yeah. volume is is half. And mm-hmm. so what would you suggest for people that are running a cash practice that don't have that top of funnel, 25 to 30, 300, 400 new patients yeah. in a year? How do they potentially go about creating this gym model without that amount of volume? Yeah, really good question. So like we've worked with everybody from, um, I will just say in time, We'll correct for time. I have a lot of clients that see people on 10 or 15 minute appointment. What do you want to call it? Uh, intervals. Yep. 
I have a few that see them on half hour. And I work with a few that are super specialized. There's one guy down in San Diego that works with um, like Ironman triathletes uh, uh, and golfers. I know you work with golfers. You can spend easily an hour in those visits. Super high, uh, super high revenue, right? Uh, super high service, high touch environment. And it would look on paper like, oh, you only saw 10 new patients this month or you only... No, what I would say is you want to get to the point where you have a healthy, um, uh, a healthy schedule that is like 85 to 90% full. Now, what I mean by that is like, I think full for uh, anybody treating is about 30 hours is what I consider the top end of what you can do. I mean, we agree. We agree. That's what we teach. Okay, perfect. Now, if you want to divide that 30 hours into go, hey, we only have 30 one hour slots, totally fine. If we multiply that by four and you go 120, 15 minute slots, totally fine. But just get up to 90% full of that before you take on something else. If you're like 55% full, I don't think that a second business is going to help you. Uh, It's going to, things are going to end quicker. (laughs) So it's interesting. I just thought of a business idea that I hadn't thought of before. Um, when you were saying to build up a full schedule, the thing I thought you were going to say was at least build up a good marketing uh, funnel system where even if you only get 10 or 12 new patients, that maybe mm-hmm. you still have, like in our world, 50, 60, 70 qualified leads that, you know, again, 60 leads become 12 patients is a, is a pretty mm-hmm. good funnel. But mm-hmm. the thing that I was just thinking about, I'm curious your thoughts, is this goes into the, it's not a yes or no, it's which option do you want? Like, mm. what if you do have 60 leads that are, that are at different stages and okay, someone doesn't want the $5,000, you know, soup to nuts, Bentley style, one-on-one care, but they still need something. And that's where the gym comes in. So again, it's like, all right, you don't want this. You can have that. I mean, that might, that sounds interesting to me actually, as we're talking through it. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say like, uh, you know, when, when people are starting out in the clinic gym model, like keep it simple, like sell one membership just because you have less things to worry about and just make it as great as possible. Yeah. But I would say some, I would tell you some of the more established clinic gyms have a breadth of offerings. One of which typically is a ultra high end, like 1500 to $2,500 a month, you know, that includes like high end care, maybe some massage and individual coaching along with group. And, uh, you know, you don't need a lot of leads. So like if you get one new one of those a month, uh, so what is, you know, if your conversion is 20%, so you need five leads to create one customer a month. I mean, <laughs> there's not a whole lot of them out there, but finding five possible candidates and then selling one of them doesn't seem hard, but you just have to make up for it in the amount of revenue you have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and I think a lot what a lot of us have never really considered is exactly that sort of, even if, let's say we all think, all right, we're going to start a gym, we need 200 members. And it's like, all right, but maybe an intermediary step, you know, this is our, my mentor, Paul 101, is it's easier to sell less things, uh, less higher ticket items to less people. And I just yeah. had a conversation with one of my clients who's done really well in the golf niche down in Virginia. And yeah. This was actually the TPI. This was Dave Phillips yeah. talking about yeah. going into a clinic and saying, all right, I charged the, or going into my club and I'm charging 15 grand for the year. And it's mm-hmm. like the soup to nuts. I'm buying them shoes. And it's like the ultimate experience. And at right. that price point, I only need five of them or two of them. And it's like, you don't need right. to find tons of people. And it's there, there might be other ways that someone could get started in this because, you know, I think that the hardest part about business, at least from what I've seen is people don't respect, especially like in a gym setting, the amount of volume that you need to make profit. Like it's, you need a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. 
I, I, tell, I, well, I would hate. Yeah, so I would this hate is the to, next part of my podcast where I say I say a statement. Josh, prove me. Tell me why I'm wrong. This is why yeah, I'm yeah. here. I don't want anybody to leave this and go. Oh, you need a bunch of people to make it profitable. That's like, um, as you know, there are clinics that have a ton of people coming in that aren't profitable, and there are some that have a few patients and are very profitable. Yeah, it's just finding that niche for you. So when I, one thing that I think is important for people considering the clinic gym hybrid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that setup, you will never ever win the we have sp- more space than anybody in our town battle. You mm-hmm. can't afford to. You will never win the we have more or nicer equipment than anybody in our space. We don't have more showers. We don't have more hot tubs. We don't have more saunas. What do we have inherently in our practice? And if you're going to add a gym onto a clinic, inherently the the what would you call that? The USP, mm-hmm. right? is expertise. It's knowledge and it's knowledge transferred to the client. And so when you're talking about a guy that does really well in Virginia, I'm going to guess that he provides a t- like he has a ton of knowledge around biomechanics and all these things that we take for granted, but if you can communicate those clearly to your potential client, they would sign up. So in doing so, how much is expertise worth? So if I if I go, "Hey, uh uh, you know, come to my Hit style boot camp, I can go. Well, that's kind of like Orange Theory, and it's kind of like F forty five, and it's kind of like some of the CrossFit uh, gyms in my area, and it's kind of like uh, Burn. We have one around us, Burn Boot Camp and Fit Body Boot Camp, and all those. Cool. You're entering commodity zone. It's an hour long. It's about twelve people. Maybe there's twenty. The they don't have a whole lot of equipment. It's intense. Okay, I don't want to play that game. What do those places not have? They don't have experts. They don't have experts that can say, hey, Justin, I know that you had back pain six weeks ago, partly because we treated you for it here. You know, I know you have that. And I know that we're talking about deadlifts today or kettlebell swings. Let me share with you some thoughts on how to keep that uh, uh, back pain from coming back. Right now, everybody listening to this goes, well, of course, is it discogenic pain or is it facetogenic or, you know, is it a mechanical issue? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. The fact that you can clearly cut those pieces out means you are an expert. You are an expert at a higher level than everybody else in your area. That is to say, don't charge the same as everybody else. Don't look at burn boot camp or fit body boot camp or F45 and go, well, they're charging 150 a month. I need to charge 150. Why? Why do you need to charge that much? Right? You are providing expertise. So charge for that and go after a market that appreciates expertise. 23 year old healthy males don't appreciate the expertise. 68 year old Country club members who are traveling the nation, you know, are traveling the world as part of their retirement, value that expertise a lot, a lot more than you could ever think. And when you get into that expertise world, the the perfect offer or package becomes so easy to put together and becomes so easy to differentiate over anybody else that people will buy for various reasons. For example, we have a guy in um uh, Midwest somewhere. Uh, I think I can't remember. It's Missouri or Kansas. And one of the things we threw out there was, hey, if it's a high end package, like you know, we're talking thousand dollars a month or higher, just tell them you'll include your cell phone number, and you'll, you know, if they have a question about anything that's going on, that they can call you or text, and you'll respond within twenty four hours, right? So he had two clients sign up. Uh, for this high-end membership that mentioned, yeah, as soon as you put your phone number on there, I was willing, I realized, you know. Now, what does a phone number have to do with fitness? 
And I'm like, nothing. It's the expertise that they're looking for, right? That like, why else would they, would they say that that moved them? So anyways, all that is to say, um, you don't have to have a ton of clients. And in fact, if you're like, if your model only works with 200 people, I would reevaluate what you're doing. Let the other gyms in your town run that model. We're going for something else. Yeah, I love it. And I thought there's a lot of great takeaways there, but one that resonates, especially with the, it's, the further we get out from school, the more that the thing you just said, it, it's easier to kind of swallow. But, and I'm sure you see this when you get out of school, it, the technical aspects of what we do differently and, and how good we are as a, as a clinician and all of that. And you just mentioned, like I gave them my cell phone number and that's why they'd spend a thousand. And when you graduate school with all your certifications and DNSs and all that, yeah. saying that makes you feel terrible, but it's just the way the world is. Yeah. And those things I think function just like you took them and I took them, they function to provide you a structure that you can navigate through, right? And yeah, we're not great at going, well, I don't need that to be an expert, but it's like you needed the the structural thought process. You needed to understand what markers really matter to become the person you are today. So early on, I would absolutely support anybody take those things. But the other side of the coin is, you know, and I don't know what you guys say in your program, Justin, but the only way to grow a thriving business that makes the owner produces a ton of freedom, financial freedom, time freedom, all that. The only way it requires uh, team members, right? Like you cannot, I don't, I do not know of a great business that thrives without team members, right? So that expertise we talked about earlier is the same thing that will appeal to the right team members and get them to stick around longer because again, I don't think you want to be in this battle of who pays more. I don't think you want to say like, hey, you work for us. We'll take care of uh, healthcare and 401k. There are large, there's large uh, gyms in my area that provide that for their trainers if they work 30 hours a week. I, I can't do that. I never have been able to do that financially. But if you come to work for me, we'll teach you. And all that requires is a structured environment where you do like one uh, an hour-long meeting every week, just going over the anatomy, physiology, and training uh, training observations for somebody with like, you know, extension intolerant pain or facetogenic low back pain or whatever you want to call that. How as a trainer can they handle that? And it's like, let me provide some education. Let me show you the anatomy. Let me show you how it functions. And now let's talk about the exercise that work with it. I think most people in your program overlook that as like, yeah, that's just par for the course. Like, yeah, you are also the same person that spent $250,000 on education to attain that. Maybe more when we include travel, mm-hmm. right? It's valuable. Share it with that local trainer and they'll be like, I'll never leave because I, this is making me a better person. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and it's a great segue because the next question that I had was about team members and and more so management. Um mm-hmm. So we can play it out a couple of different ways, but obviously in order to run a successful business, if the Cairo is in the treatment room 40, 50 hours a week, mm-hmm. managing the whole business, just the Cairo side of it is challenging. What have you seen either to be successful or where have you seen some pitfalls as far as hiring or not hiring? Do you believe that if you're going to have a successful clinic gym, that you need a guy or a girl to be a manager, to be an owner, to be the person that is going to run that gym by itself and then you can run the Cairo side. How does that look? Yeah. It's a really good question. And I think that you you ask these great questions because of your knowledge and acumen around general business. I'm going to say some things that you're probably just going to be nodding your head going, 
yeah, that's absolutely like you could have put these together with no knowledge of the clinic gym system. But um, number one, you have to, have to, have to carve out an hour or two every week to, to coach, educate, work with your team. I think the best setup is an hour of education and an hour of review of what's going on. You know, talk about the problem issues, but we block out that hour for education. Now, that means that every person you have on your team, you're going to pay for two paid hours every week, right? So calculate that. It's not, it's not free. But if you lose the education side, you have lost the reason people work for you, I think. They can go down to 24-hour fitness and there's a stream of people walking to the front door they can work with, right? So I think that's, I cannot overstress that. Second thing. Um, uh, man, I just lost my train of thought, but it was a really super good train. I mean, it was like really good. Yeah. So Ask you, your, your you, question so you, again. Uh, specifically about, um, do we think we need a guy oh, yeah. or a girl yeah, yeah. to manage yeah. the other side of the business? Yeah. So what I see is most people don't need a manager until they are cresting over five hours of classes a day, like okay, at four, three hours. Yeah. It's when it gets over that a day. Uh, and you think about it, if you just do five hours a day times five days a week, you get 25 hours. Now you have a, you know, a standalone business. I think if we're talking okay. about two hours a day, five days a week, it's an additional 10 hours. I just don't think there's that much stuff to manage. Okay. You know? I think that's great. One thing, one thing on the hiring front, I think is super important is like almost every business will tell you hire for culture and train them up. Okay. Don't start with the world's greatest trainer. Somebody comes in with a resume of I've taken FMS and I've done this and I've been certified in CFSC and I've AFA certified and I did a 700 hour yoga training about cool. I would advise against that like grabbing that person for your team, what I have found over and over again, and all my clients say the same thing. The reason for that is that person wants to train in their style. They have established their style. They have established their methods. They want to do it that way. Cool. And you, you know, I'll high five you, but that's not what we do here. Here, we follow the method that the owner came up with, you know? And yeah. if you're like a super believer in DNS and that person's like, oh, I don't do DNS, we you yoga. It's like, cool. That's not what we do here. Yeah. Right. And so along those things, the best people to hire are typically not people that identify at the time of hiring as a trainer. So don't put out an ad looking for a trainer. Try and find somebody with great customer service skills and say like, hey, are you interested in leading people through exercise? We'll teach you how. And again, how do you teach them? You do that one hour a week of training and they become an expert. And then you can ethically say when people walk in, you know, walk in as in the clinic, I don't know if you remember this from uh, Dallas, but you walk them over your trainer and you go, hey, uh, Joe, I'm sorry that you're having low back pain. I want to quickly introduce you to Justin, who is the absolute best trainer in the area for people with fill in the blank for low back pain. Now, I want to graduate you to the point where you can work with him. But right now we got to take care of your pain, right? And you form that early relationship. Every time that guy comes in, hopefully he sees you, waves, high fives, or you remember his name. But you want to be able to say that the trainer is the absolute best trainer in the area to work with people with blank injury because what does every other gym say? They say, oh, you have pain? We got to refer you out. Oh, you have pain? Well, you could try this. And we can only say that you're the absolute best trainer if we have trained you. So it, it's all these interlocking pieces that go together. 
Got it. Love it. So you mentioned, you know, that sort of process of bringing someone from, they come in and you introduce them to the trainer. And before mm-hmm. earlier, we also talked about how much volume you might need to bring them uh, along in, mm-hmm. in your, the other thing you mentioned was interesting, especially starting the gym first. So all of mm-hmm. that to be said, let's talk marketing. What mm-hmm. have you seen to be successful? Like, do you find that most people that start the clinic gym that they have a thriving practice first and basically 80% of the clients go from clinic to gym? Do you find that they ex- execute a separate marketing plan and fill the gym just because and it works the other way? Like what what would you suggest or have you seen? Yeah. So I wanna I wanna answer your question fairly here. Most of the people who approach me already have a thriving clinic. Okay. Right. So I can't say like, oh, it started out of zero. It, very few of them did, right? But I would say they have a thriving clinic. If you have a thriving clinic, you can bolt anything onto the back end, supplement sales, um, nutrition coach, any of those upsells, and it's probably going to do pretty well. Right? I just you got to. I just want to stop you and, and reiterate that again, though, because we've mentioned this in a couple different ways. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people that are getting going, um, I think it's so valuable to hear that. And sometimes it does require patience, but hard work. In that we want this, but but mm-hmm. just to go back again, most people that have success again, we can reinvent the wheel if we want to. But most people that have had success, as Josh said, is that they already have one thriving business. And to your point, put whatever you want on the back. Today's conversation is yeah. about a clinic gym. But if both business, if one business sucks or struggles, it's going to be very hard to bolt on a second successful business. So keep mm-hmm. going. Yeah. So so you know if we divide those out, and now you want to talk about people who are starting starting up from zero. Is that the other, like, is that a common kind of question you get? So more so in your, in your world. So like they have a successful clinic and then it's like, all right, Hey, let's do a gym. And Mm -hmm. for the most part, 80% of the gym are people that continually are new patients at the clinic that eventually funnel over. Is that what you see? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. The, the least successful clinic gyms are ones that treat them as independent silos. It's like people either go to the gym or go to the clinic. The most successful ones there is no clear delineation. So you're a rehab chiropractor. Cool. Uh, what do I got to pay in your clinic, Justin? What do I got to pay to work directly with you? Let's say that for an hour, 300. I'm 300 bucks for an hour. Cool. I go, well, I want another option. Do you have anybody I can work with that doesn't cost 300 an hour? We don't know. Okay. So let's say you had the space and let's just yeah, say you're, yeah, yeah. you're pursuing this. Cool. You go, yeah, you can work with Stacy, the trainer. What's her rate? Half of mine. I'm just, I mean, you can make sure. it more, but half. So now for 150, I get the same thing. If you are working with me over what's a typical treatment plan that you recommend to your clients? Uh, probably 15 visits. So, you know, depending on okay. how frequently, two yeah. months. Sweet. So let's say 15 visits. If I go to eight with you and seven with Stacy, the trainer, have I stepped foot in the gym? Yes. Have I worked with the person who will probably also be tra- uh, training me later? Yes. Am I still in rehab? Yes. But you can see how it starts getting gray there, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let's say that after 15 visits, I go, hey, you know, I think I'm super love what's happening. I don't have any pain, but I really want to get stronger. I notice I'm starting to hit the golf ball a little further. Could I sign up for another five sessions with Stacy? Right? Is that the gym? Is that rehab? Call it whatever you want. Here's what I would say. Call it the gym because there's less headache and less worry about your professional license over there. You don't have to do notes on people in the gym. You don't have to diagnose them. You don't have to redo your exam periodically. So transfer them over to the gym and it kind of lives in this, uh, what do they call that? A walled garden of 
of safety. Mm-hmm. Okay. But do you really care? Like, does it matter if it, I call it the, the rehab or the gym at that point? I'm just coming in for exercise. Yeah. Got it. Love it. Uh, so yeah. what I'm hearing you say is that the business needs to thrive and specifically going back to the marketing first, because one of the things that I've seen, and I don't know if you've seen it as well, um, people don't, there, there's a little na- naivete around, mm-hmm. I'm going to open up the gym. And then all of a sudden, some of my referral partners that were gyms don't like to refer to me anymore. And again, the only answer to that, number one is awareness. But number two is to do what you did to start the conversation and say, well, you better have a thriving business that's not going to go away if mm-hmm. we just stop all gym referrals. So have you seen that when people do open up and they don't have a good marketing plan? <laughs> Can I share a couple stories with you that illustrate love this? Love yeah. It. So the whole story of how I got started, I, I remember this. And if anybody's ever read my book, there's this story in there. I, I was working with a local cross. I, was just, I just had a clinic and we did rehab, right? We had like a 1,400 square feet of which maybe 400 square feet of that was a rehab space. Super low ceilings, no, no gym to speak of, but just, you know, bands and kettlebells and a free motion machine. Anyway, so I get a call from this woman, uh, she and her husband ran a local CrossFit and she's like, Hey, we want to take you to dinner before Christmas. And this is like the week after Thanksgiving. So it's like December 3rd. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, blah. And I kind of dragged my feet. She calls back the next week. I really want to take you to dinner. I'm like, yeah, okay. And then it's like, no, seriously. She called back Monday and then again, Wednesday. I'm like, Holy smokes. Like why is she so pushy? Right. So I grab my wife and she and I, my wife and I have dinner with this woman and her husband who ran the CrossFit gym. She's like, we just, we just, want to want to thank you so much. I'm like, yeah, of course. She's like, you've sent so many people our way and we just really want to take you out to dinner for Christmas. I was like, fantastic. She's like, yeah, when we add it all up, you'd sent 46 people to our gym. Wow. And I was like, huh? Because we referred people, we want to, you know, I mean, I'm sure you're getting the same thing. After people are healed, you want them to go to a good trainer because the worst thing is they come back to your office four weeks later with exactly what they had. That drives sure. me nuts, right? So I sat there and for the rest of the dinner, it was like, all I could hear was the sound of the ocean because I was like, we spent, we sent 46 people to her. And that was one of 12 places we sent people. Right. And thank God she'd want to take me. So then when we move, I was like, Hey, we could grab all those people. Well, so then we start building our gym and we move. So over the two year period and I realized, Oh man, this is great. And then I realized, Oh crap. How's she going to feel when I don't send anybody her way? And why did I send people her way? Well, one of the reasons I did is just geographically, right? Like if you're referring people, like some people come to your place and some can't. So what I think is important is if you have a thriving business built on the back of referrals, luckily at some point I realized this and I had lunch with every single gym owner we were getting referrals from and that we were sending to, to say, hey, listen, I want you to hear it from me first. We're starting a gym. We're adding a gym on. But the second part of that is, I think it's really important to carve out the niche that you are serving. We weren't ever going to take 25-year-old fire-breathing CrossFit athletes out of these other gyms, right? And so this all came to head. I, had, I took a guy out to, to lunch who was a CrossFit competitor, and I said, hey, we're starting this gym, blah, blah, blah. And I tell him who we're going for. He goes, oh, yeah, that's perfect. Your place will be like the refugee camp for, <laughs> for my gym. Yeah. And he's like, and he said, I get guys all the time that want to work out hard, but they can't keep up with the youngins and they get injured. They tear rotator cuffs. He's like, I don't want to be a guy that's tearing people's rotator cuffs. I'll send them to you. 
And in fact, he did. And we continued to send the healthy 25-year-olds that want to compete at a high level over to him. But the only thing is with referral partners, I think it's so important to maintain the highest level of communication you can. Just even letting them know that, hey, we're doing this now is fine, even if they get pissed off about it. I would rather have it come from my mouth and have them get pissed off than have them hear it through the grapevine like I'm trying to avoid them. Right. And, uh, and his point was, oh, yeah, you're a refugee camp. It told me, yeah, we're going for something that most gyms don't offer. Most gyms can take a healthy 25-year-old and make them a healthy 25-year-old. We're looking for a banged up, you know, 60-year-old or 55-year-old. And that was our gym. I mean, if there are people listening that want to open up their own style, that's fine. Maybe it's postpartum. Maybe it's, um, you know, condition specific. Brett Winchester does a, a stenosis workout because he doesn't call it that, but he got sick. Uh, he told me a story on my podcast. He got sick of people getting diagnosed with stenosis and then doctors saying, yeah, don't do anything. He's like, shit, no, do some, you know, do some deadlifting and get strong and you'll be amazing at how many stenosis symptoms you don't have. But whatever it is, just develop that class and become the expert in it and people will come to you. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, going back into what we teach, niche development, um, and yeah. then our sales process, we call it we call it value for unique solution. But essentially what you're saying is, you know, there's five gyms, but everyone might have a different population that they speak to. And and again, right. I think, you know, in, in the, what you corrected me on, which was great, is, you know, we think the amount of volume you need to run a, a thriving gym business, but, you know, what, the more niche down you get, the less volume you need because the higher price you can charge, right? And that's yeah. whether it's my clinic or whether it's it's a gym, I think the, the same concepts apply. And I think one thing to offer too is, you know, if you are successful, just like in your clinic, you're going to go through seasons. There was a time when your clinic was your only business, right, Justin? Right. And now you have like 68,000 <laughs> businesses. I can't remember. I lost count. But um, but to that point, like we had a guy up in North Dakota started a practice and he topped out at 42 members in his gym because that's all that he had the physical space for. Mm-hmm. And then the next year he said, hey, we're going to open up a gym down the street, 2,500 square foot standalone gym. He went through that season. Well, that revenue of both of those allowed him to three years later, two years later, three years later, let's say, he and his partner just bought a building to move them both the practice and the gym together into a real estate that they own. That's like a 10,000 square foot building. You're not going to do that day one. Sure. You know, but can you do that year seven? Sure. If you go through the right iteration. So my point is at 42 members, he was making a nice profit. Wasn't anything that was going to, he couldn't have retired at that point, but it's it's money that's coming in that's not a whole lot of work and it was profitable and everything. And physically, that's what he could, you know, uh, service. Yeah, I love it. Uh, this yeah. was fantastic. What what question should I have asked you that I didn't? Yeah, that, that's a, a good question. Um, I think that I, I would just like to, when people say they want to get started, they're like, hey, I want to start a clinic gym hybrid. And they're like six months from now, a year from now, right? What's the most important thing you do? The wrong answer that everybody does, they say, I bought a squat rack. I don't know why that makes people feel like they're in the gym business, but that is it. I think the most important thing you do is find the person that will help you grow it. So usually it's that first trainer that you have and uh, make sure that everybody on your team is aligned with the idea that you're trying to start this upsell, this additional service. The number one enemy to early clinic gyms that I see is that 
you know, Justin is working with the client in the back, says, Hey, I'd love, you know, I think this at this point you're out of pain and I'd love to have you join the gym. The client agrees because they know, like, and trust Justin. They, he, he's helped them through everything. He's got out of, got them out of pain for years in the past. And he walks them up to the front and says, you know, Mrs. Johnson here wants to sign up for the gym. And the front desk stares back at the client and blinks. <laughs> at that point, you have to get the credit card and you have to have them sign up. I learned that that, that part where you sign up and pay is, is that's their version of offering you commitment in this equal relationship. And you taking the money is equally showing them the commitment. So I ran into this early. We'd say, oh yeah, just come on Monday and join our class. That type of conversion sucks. It's like less than 5% that people will actually show up. But if you sign them up at the front desk, collect their money and then say, Monday, what, what class would you like to come to? You know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 3.30 in the afternoon. That has a much higher, it's almost like it's over, if I remember right, it's like 87% take rate if you get the commitment of them paying and signing a piece of paper. 87% will show up Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday of the following week. The flip side is if I just say come and pay on Monday, less than 5% will even show up. Got it. Awesome. Uh, this was this was excellent. I'm I'm really happy we did this. I had so many questions Good. that I get now because again, it's the same type of person. We've all the the rehab Cairo, the the gym clinic yeah. gym. A lot of we just it's live in the same world, and then what iteration are you going to go with it? But I thought you gave so much good context and metrics, and I yeah. think you know a lot of for my audience the part that was very valuable. A lot of and I'll I'll tell you exactly what happens just to kind of put a wrap on mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I have one more one more thing that I commonly get that you just yes. reminded me of. Yes. Uh, I think it's important. And maybe if you're, if you're working with Justin, like I'm sure that he could coach you through this, but step back and look at what is your goal here? For example, my goal with the clinic gym was that I make the money off the clinic and I make the money off the gym. If a, um, if a local gym owner invites you in, says, Hey, Justin, we have this space. I'd love to have you. My friends talk about you. You're amazing. Why don't you come set up an office in my clinic or my, in my gym? That is not the clinic gym hybrid model that I think of because that inherent in that agreement is he or whoever, whoever owns the gym will get those people as members. And I think it would be a horrible idea to be like, oh, I'm going to take gym members from that gym and then train them on my own and make that money myself, right? right. Now, that, that is not to say that you can't start out in a gym. I think a gym is a great place for your first office. In fact, our mutual friend, Kevin Christie, started out in a private gym and that guy has grown to have a very high-end clinic uh, and he owns the, the real estate. It's awesome. But what he didn't do is he didn't make the revenue off the gym. It's a fine idea. It's the almost very similar way of practicing, but you're not going to make the revenue, right? Which is, I think that's totally fine. I would absolutely look for a relationship like that if I was straight coming out of school because that means people are going to be exposed to you on the front end and you start getting a little bit more traction early on. But you better set a timer for maybe two years out. You're going, hey, I'm moving because I want to start grabbing onto those those gym members. I just want people to be aware of that because a lot of people ask me and I'm like, yeah, starting a gym, that's a fantastic start, but it's not going to have that secondary source of revenue of gym membership. Yeah, I love it. I think it's yeah. great. It's great. That's a great distinction to make. And and just to give you a little context to what I see a lot, um, a lot of the either 
they're not new grads. They're actually, they've graduated. They go and work as an associate for mm-hmm. uh, 18 months to two years. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's in a, some, well, I've seen it a few times. They're in a clinic gym or they've seen the clinic gym and it's an insurance practice. And then they leave mm-hmm. and they want to do cash. And yeah. that's when I step in. I'm like, hold on. Like you can, it's not the same thing, right? It's not the same right. thing. The clinic volume and the numbers that you're used to seeing and the, yeah. the prices and all of that. It's like, I just got to like knock on the door and say like, this is a different business. Same, same concept actually. And I don't know if you see this with, um, there are some people that go to do internships at certain practices mm-hmm. and they're as the mm-hmm. intern, they're like rehab assistants and they're like free labor. And yeah. then they go and start their own practice and they don't have an internship program, but they want to create the same model. I'm like, you don't understand that you came as free help and now you're opening a clinic and you have to pay assistance. The business model is not the same. So I guess my lesson to everyone is take a step back of either what you observe or what you're working and just make sure the thing that you're going to copy, like you're actually copying the same thing and not a version of it and just make sure that it actually works the same way. Absolutely. And I, I think when you go to those, they're like, Hey, I started up in Kansas city. Uh, at, you know, I was working for this place as a rehab assistant. Or I, I was in St. Louis starting as a rehab assistant. Or I was in, you know, Whittier, California. It's like, yeah, because there's a Cairo school there that's pumping out 200 kids a year that are looking for that. If you go to start in, you know, in Las Vegas, let's say, am I going to be able to find that uh, uh, just an overwhelming number of interns? Probably not, unless I go either decide to own a house that they can live in rent free, right? And are willing to move from LA, or uh, I go and talk to like the ATC interns at our at UNLV and say, hey, we're you know we're a clinic that does this. All my point is, yeah, that works when you're within driving distance of the university. Don't forget that part either. And there's all these factors that make things work, you know? Yeah, like it's great. Lawnmower sales in uh, Vegas are horrible. Why? Because we have water restrictions. You can't even have a front lawn. So some kid, their first job is never going to be mowing lawns in Vegas. There are a ton of kids that have their first job as mowing lawns, but they typically live in an area where, you know, there aren't water restrictions. Yeah. And, you know, you don't want to be the snow sho- the number one snow shovel salesman in Phoenix. Like <laughs> that doesn't produce a lot of revenue. And I, but it is, it is tough to st- kind of step back sometimes. But again, if you're working with Justin, I'm sure you must have these conversations with people all the time, right? Like, I mean, you we'll just kind of, it. it, it's, it's just an, uh, I guess more of a global view of, of the business. And of course, like, you know, I, I'm now 10, 11 years in and you're, uh, you've spent more time than I have in the trenches. So it's kind of easy to us. We've seen that. And, and obviously, you know, when you're a new grad, you're kind of, there's so many things coming at you and it seems very obvious when you mention it, it's like, oh yeah, I didn't counter consider that. But, you know, the other thing that I see too is, and it's why I try to be as open as I can. I always say like, I'll share anything with any of my members uh, outside of my staff salary, just because I want them to see like what the, you know, how the sausage is made. Um, mm-hmm. Because a lot of people will get surface level stuff from a podcast or see something online. And it's like, hold on a second. Like this might not be what you think it is. And I don't want you to go copy something that doesn't necessarily work the way that you think it does, you know? Yeah. So, Dude, I, and I, and to be fair, I still run into that stuff as a business owner. I listen to a podcast and get inspired and think, oh, that's what we should do. Or, you know, we go chase, chase these rainbows and stuff. And I'm like, God dang it. You know, Dan Leonard asked me a great question one time that just sticks with me. It's what's something that you did early in your business that grew it, that you have stopped doing. And it's like, I could list a bunch of things, you know, and like the clinic gym hybrid uh, website, if you will, grew. Kevin Christie had me on his podcast. I had a lead magnet out there and I did webinars like these short 30 minute webinars. Right. And then for 
I did that for two years, right? And at some point I stopped doing all three of them. I, why? Who knows? Because you're human. Guess what? Yeah. Guess what happened to my leads? They flatlined. Yeah. And then people weren't as aware and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, what could, what should I do to restart? And Dan's like, well, what's something you did early on that grew it? That you, you know, and it's like, huh, I like talking. So webinars would be good. And I have that lead magnet just sitting there. I just have to go into my Infusionsoft account and hit play basically. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it's so I don't want anybody to beat themselves up again. The great thing about where you are now is dude, this isn't where you have to be a year from now. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, I love it. Uh, so speaking of website and book, and you mentioned a lot of that, where can people find you if they want more information? Yeah. If they just go to clinic gym, hybrid.com clinic gym, hybrid.com. We have our, we're releasing our fall schedule of classes, uh, maybe in the next week. Um, uh, we have three locations that we're going to be going to, I have a book called Clinic Gym Hybrid Secrets. If you just, if you want to read all about, uh, that's kind of a story-based version of the lessons I've learned of uh, running Clinic Gym Hybrid and advising people. And yeah, I think the best way is to come out to one of our live events. Where are they going to be this year? I I saw the one at Parker. Where are you going to be? Yeah. So we're going to be back at Parker. We're going to be on the West Coast, most likely in Portland. Okay. Uh, around uh, University of Western, Western States. States. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dan Leonard is uh, nice enough to host us out in Columbus, Ohio. Very so cool. those are the three. So an East Coast, a West Coast, and a Midwesty. I know? love it. I love it. And as you know, I want people to know, this is not sitting watching slides, right? This is getting in and doing the thing that it takes to, to run one of these. Yeah. So. And I think that the main thing, my main takeaway from your seminars was it is you, you give progressions of exercise. You kind of show what that looks like. You also speak about the business side of it. It's not, it's not just a clinical seminar. It's not just a business seminar. Um, and, and I think more than anything, my takeaway from going was it was just so many like-minded people. And mm. in our world, um, you know, I struggled for a long time. I hung out with only physical therapists. Uh, mm-hmm. but now, you know, as I've sort of got more in the rehab and in your world, there's a lot of people out there that are just like we are in the rehab setting, in the clinic gym, and just making those connections. Um, you know, you'll, I think if you do nothing else, but just meet a few friends along the way, it's probably worth your, your time, your flight and, and all the costs to get there. Yeah. So. And you realize like being a, a, a rehab Cairo or whatever you want to call yourself, geez, if you do it right, it's the greatest profession in the world. It's yeah. the greatest, you know? Yeah. People are happy to see you. You can make huge change in one, in one visit. It's awesome. You just see the best parts of people. So I hope people get inspired by that. I love it. Well, Josh, I appreciate you being on. I think this is going to do very well. I was, I was very appreciative to have you and I, I took a lot of notes actually. So thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and every out there, man, I, I think they're, I'm glad they stumbled upon your path because the guidance you provide is going to get them so much farther ahead faster. So it's very exciting. I appreciate you saying that. Thanks, Josh. All right, buddy. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One, grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strive to move.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you. 